Well, take your wonderful, lovely copy of God's Word, and let's turn to John chapter 2. We're going to recap. Remember, if you were here last week, I said, did y'all hear what I just said? I said, remember, not remember. That's my Pauline coming out, y'all. Sorry. Remember last week that I said we would actually be, that was part one. This is part two. I couldn't get out of this passage of Scripture until we make much of Jesus. Yes, he was the miracle worker. He made turn water into wine. It was some 200 plus gallons of water that he turns into wine. Yes, he saved the day, if you would, with the, uh, for the marriage banquet. But we're going to see today, I want to focus on the bridegroom. Today's sermon is titled, this was a hard one, The Good Stuff. You ever done that? Had the good stuff saved for last? If you come out, if you, if you ever grill out, especially here at church, all the men, we labor on the grill. And y'all know what happens on the grill? We eat the good stuff. That little fatty piece on the side that nobody wants or the tenderloin that's just right, it just happens to fall off on the grill. We can't really serve that to anyone because no one wants a small piece of meat. So we save the good stuff uh, for, the, for the people who work in the grill. So if you ever come out and check the grill, well, don't check the grill. We don't want to share. So if you're ever grilling, you get to participate in this. But if you don't, don't check it because we won't share very good. Uh, the, the good stuff, it's always that last bit of stuff. And or somebody, at a, if you go to a picnic, Wendy and I have been at several parties this week and uh, been invited, and the good stuff, somebody pulls out something, oh, I forgot to give you this. I forgot to put this out. Have you ever been there when somebody did that? We've done that even at our house. We, we made this special thing that had to cool or had to warm or whatever it might be, and, oh, we forgot all about that. If it's macaroni and cheese, you're in trouble, okay? So especially if it's uh, uh, the drums cheese, right? If you come up and get a hold of uh, Eileen's drums macaroni and cheese or even Lisa's, uh, you'll be regretting and be angry with them if they save that for last. So listen, the good stuff, we're going to talk about today in the book of John. John chapter 2, same scripture as last week. I don't want you to see something. And if you can see this with your own eyes, and if you're not a Christian today, I want to tell you, you won't see it, okay? I'm just going to put that caveat out there. If you're not a Christian today, you won't see this. If you are, you'll hear it, but you won't see it. If you are a Christian, I hope that it opens your eyes that you actually know this God that we sing to, know this God that we praise and we pray to. You're going to see God, hopefully, in a whole new, different way, or you might know him this way. It was covered this morning in the Bible study, if you went to Bible study. And I don't want to divide the church, because I got accused of that last week of dividing the church when I said, listen, or two weeks ago, that uh, this whole vaccine thing has got me stressed to the max. I don't care about it. Uh, if you get it, fine. If you don't, fine. If you get a booster, fine. If you're a conspiracy theorist, fine. Listen, we live in America. We have to make a decision on our own, right? Amen? And if they, it, it, listen, there's people that are going to hold down and stick it in them. It was me as a kid growing up, right? Edwina Smith, my mom's right here. Her way of vaccination was actually take us over. If the cousins had chicken pox, we went and spent the night with the cousins or played with them all day. And guess what we come home with? These polka dots all over our bodies. So, and we might need to make her the Surgeon General. or, But it's, the, the disease is real, and so you have a choice to make on your own, right? You have to make a choice. Some of you work at SRS. I've, heard, I've had conversations with a lot of you this week where they made a mandate. What do you do as a Christian? You follow your conscience is what you have to do. you got to do it. I had COVID. Me and Wendy had COVID this summer, and it was almost the death of us. We felt like we were ready to die. It took us almost four weeks to get over it. We had the bad version. Whatever strain that is, it was the bad version. And it, it wiped us out. We couldn't function. We felt like, I don't know what it feels like to be 100, but we felt like we were 100. We couldn't function. We couldn't go out. Of course, we were quarantining, but you couldn't do anything. We were just, felt like we were dying. 
And so we, we made it through, praise God, right? When we were saying he was the healer, we were reading that and singing that. She and I were looking at each other saying, yes, he is the healer because he brought us through that. Wendy said uh, the, this was, her COVID was worse than her cancer. She went through cancer. God healed her of that as well. We were had a time last night sitting on the polo field looking at the stars, big dark sky with all the stars, telling God how great he is. Worship doesn't begin in here. Y'all know that, right? We don't generate worship. Worship is a lifestyle. And when you get to know who God is, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which we thought we were. We called it the Psalm 23 sickness because we thought we were there. And I was ready to go. I wasn't, I'd rather been there than here going through what I was going through. But as Krista mentioned earlier, he's the God of the good times and the bad times. When you pray and ask for things, I got to the point I couldn't even pray. You said, you ever been that way? I couldn't, reading the Bible was not even, not even on my radar. Scripture memory, not on the radar. I was just existing. So it's real, but this whole man-made thing that man comes up with, you're going to make that decision in your conscience, individually or for your children. You're going to have to make that decision. So don't get into a fight with your neighbor. And you go back, so with the science says this, have y'all looked at, has, does anybody in America agree? And even the scientific community that's coming up with the actual, uh, you look at the FDA this way, all the people that resigned this week, does everybody agree out there? Well, there's no way we can agree in here because I'm not a scientist, I'm a preacher or a pastor. So I, what, you have to make a conscious decision of what you're going to do. Well, how does that tie into today's lesson? Listen, I want to tell you there's somebody who loves you no matter what. People will condemn you for not making their choice. Did you know that? Even you young students that are going off to college, your parents want you to go to a certain university or go to a certain job or go to a certain way, and you want to do something different. You want to do your own thing. And, and do you get an opportunity to do that? The answer is, did anybody leave home doing their own thing? Raise your hand. You made your decision. I didn't want anybody else to tell me what to do, so I joined the Navy. <laughs> That's how smart teenagers are sometimes, right? We go and do our own thing and then find out that everybody tells you what to do. You are nobody when you first start. Look in the Word of God today, and I want you to see Jesus for who he is. The good stuff is not referring to the wine here, just for the record. The good stuff is referring to who Jesus has revealed to us he is. Let's look together. Let's read John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Of course, her name is Mary. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, ma'am or woman, what does, that, uh, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And you'll see my hour has not yet come. As we work through the book of John, it's going to come multiple times. His hour has not come. My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews. That was the hand-washing water, if you will, and the feet-washing containing the 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Think the servants had some expectation? How'd they fill them? Not halfway, not three-quarters away. They filled them up, the Bible says, to the brim. They were, they were expecting to see something. Let's see what they did. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, and this is awesome, the Bible adds this in, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. That's the, if you would, that's an old term, old English term. The bridegroom is obviously whom? Who would we say today? The groom 
or the husband-to-be. That's how we would say it today. So the bridegroom is simply the man. In Jewish families, the man is responsible for all the expenses. Somehow it got flipped in America, didn't it? Who has to pay, who's responsible for all the bills in America? The wives' family, right? That's awesome until my daughter gets married, so then just can we hopefully you share in that cost, right? Let's continue. In verse 10, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior or the poorer wine. You have kept the good wine until now. And there's an exclamation point in my Bible. Is it in yours? It's a quote that this man is actually driving at home. You've saved the good stuff, the superior wine, until now. It didn't tell you anything else other than we transition. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. It's amazing that Jesus is going to come back. We read through the book of John. He's going to come back to this place, and they're going to mock him and make fun of him. They're going to say, we know who our fathers are, and they're even going to call Jesus a, a man without a father. No, there's a term for that, and actually Jesus in turn tells them that's who they are. My father is God. And then he calls them out. You'll see later when the, when the kids are going to children's church. This week there'll be a family worship in here with us, so in a couple of weeks we'll actually see the title that Jesus said to them. And it's shocking that that's in the Bible going, Jesus said that? Y'all want you to see that Jesus is God. He's practical. And God wants us to live this life his way. He's designed it to happen. Christian talked about, are you praying for something? You might be going through the most difficult time of your life. You're trying to make a decision. You're waiting on an answered prayer. And let me just tell you this. God always answers prayers. Get this in your mind. Get this in your head and get it in your heart. God 100% always answers prayer. 100%. Sometimes the prayer answer is how? Yes. I'm with you on that. The answer is yes. That's my will. Sometimes the answer is what? No. I'm not going to do that. And sometimes the answer is, what, Paul, what he told Paul is what? He told Paul, wait, and then he told him, my grace is sufficient for you. That's not a yes or no, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you pushing me through that? I don't want that answer. I mean, just deal with it, right? Paul said, I've got this thorn in my flesh. I've been buffeted by Satan, but he asked God to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient. That means carry on, soldier, right? Paul talks about himself as a soldier, not getting entangled in things of this world. Well, here at Jesus, listen, Jesus, go to your notes, I want you to see this. The Bible is filled with God showing us his loving kindness. First John is explicit that God is what? What is the nature of God? God, say it loud. God is love. Say it together. God is love. If you're divided, if you're confused, if you're angry and ready to fight, is that from God? No, unless it's righteous indignation. You're going to see that next week because the Lord Jesus goes into the temple. He's going to tear the place apart. And people are going to bow up on him and say, what are you doing that for? And he's going to say, listen, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, right? You've made it into a den of thieves. So righteous indignation is something that Christ had, but also we can have when things are wrong. But in our culture, would you say that th things in America today are more confused than they were 20 years ago? People can't know genders. They can't know all these different things. They say, well, you can't know because... Uh, it's just the way you think and the way you process through. How crazy can it be? I know it sounds like I dwell on it a lot, but listen, this is the culture of our time is you can't know the science. Is it good or bad science? We go to, you name a list, we can, music, is it good or bad? Is there such thing as Christian music? Well, it's Christian in any music. 
It's the lyrics, right? The music is not Christian, so the instruments aren't Christian or not Christian, right? You can use that same guitar to play rock and roll as you can country, as you can gospel, as you can anything else. And it goes for all the instruments up here. It's the lyrics that we put to it actually that praises the Lord Jesus Christ that brings worship, not the actual music. We can get into an argument about that because even what translation of the Bible we should use, people will fight over that. But I want you to see this. The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is God showing us his loving kindness. His love is on display throughout the pages of all of Holy Scripture. Pick a story. Do you see God's hand at work? You say, well, what about all those awful stories in the Old Testament? Do you see God's hand at work? Because God's a loving God. And if you're a loving parent, will you discipline your children? The answer is yes. You'll give them all the good things that you possibly can give them, but you also will discipline them when it's time to discipline them if you're a loving parent. It'll be no or yes, right? Do you see a similarity between you as a parent and God? He put us here to model his ways to your kids, and really they're his kids. So that when they get older, when they get to be a parent of their own, because you're not raising children really, what are you raising? Next generation of adults. If they act a fool here and now, what are they going to do when they become adults? Our prisons are full of them, aren't they? Because people didn't tell a child no or stop or do it a different way. Now, there's other reasons we know, but that's the primary reason. Fathers, we're we're just leaving the position of fatherhood open, and even our own government has established that fathers should stay absent, right? We pay single moms to be single in the government status, the way we do things. And if they have more children, what happens? Stay more single, right? Don't, don't get involved. Don't have a man marry you, but have a man just come over and visit. Look at our government, how it's established. The whole welfare, welfare system is set up so to actually break the family apart, so to bring the family together, to do the very opposite of what welfare should do. Welfare should actually take care of you, actually meet your needs, but it's just the opposite. Watch, Jesus is going to do the very same thing to these people here. While we may not be able to grasp the fullness of his care, we can daily live knowing he cares for us. Did you mark yourself, mark the Bible, do you have it in your notes, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, 7. And I know it's probably going to pop up on the screen, but I want you to go look at it in your Bible. I've got it marked and checked, and and when you're going through these tough times that we talk about, it's life, it's called life. If you're going through cancer, watch, how many of you guys have actually gone through cancer? Raise your hand if you want to talk about it. Listen. If you're going through heart disease or any sort of complicated surgery, anybody? If you're going through COVID, listen, God forbid, you're going through it and you've already got the, the good stuff out of it, right? I'm going to go try to go give plasma if I can to, to actually give the gene therapy to somebody or the, um, the um, antibody therapy. I'm going to try to do that this week. I want to give somebody else another chance that, that we don't have. Here's what I want you to know. He's still God and he still loves you. Now, he's at this wedding. We know that. We talked about it last week. Is it a family member or is it a friend or a cousin? It's in a small town next to a small town, so they know each other. The reputation of the family is on the line. The bridegroom obviously can't, he can't actually get enough money to get enough wine to support a wedding banquet. How in the world can he support my daughter? How can he provide for her when he can't even provide enough uh, party supplies for the party? It was a very much an embarrassment to the family. But I want you to see what Jesus says, what Peter says about Jesus. Do you trust what Peter says about the Lord Jesus Christ? Thank you, Mike, for trusting Peter. I trust him because he walked with him. He was, listen, he was actually called to be an apostle by Jesus. This, was, this is, we call him today, Saint Peter, 
And he is a saint, and so are you if you're saved. But watch what he says. Look, look at the verse with me. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Why, church? He cares for you. Do you get it in your head? He cares for you. In your good times, he cares for you. In your bad times, he cares for you. This is the same Jesus who showed up to the party. He was invited to the party. His disciples were invited to the party. His brothers obviously were invited to the party. And his mother must have had something to do with the party because she came to Jesus saying, they have no more wine. They ran out. Why'd they run out? Because there was not enough provision for everyone. They ran short. You ever done that before? Used to watch mom when people would come over to eat. And some of the people that I went to their house, the, the, well, I was talking about both the ladies, the two parties we did yesterday. Both ladies waited to the very end, or right in, getting to make sure everybody else is taken care of. And then they got their plate. Well, my mom always did that. They always, and I know what she did. I always thought she was being so humble and serving others first. But she ate off the, off the stove is what she did. That's how we learned to grill. She'd take a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Isn't that what you did? Is that how you, is that how you did it? I'm just kidding. Listen, she would always make sure everybody else was served. And we'd say, well, that's Southern hospitality. Well, no, it's just people being people and putting others before herself. That's what joy is, Jesus, others, and in yourself. Put it in that order, you'll have joy in life. Well, let's take the notes here. Simply put, God is the source of abundance. You can't outgive God. Try it. Some of you struggle. I mean, you fight the struggle bus. You're the, you're the bus driver and the maintenance mechanic of the struggle bus. You can't give a tithe. You can't even give a dollar to the Lord's work because you're so stressed out that I can't have my needs met last week. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Well, I don't look at what people give. I don't care what you give. It's not up to me. Your giving's between whom? You personally and the Lord. Is the tithe biblical? Say it a little louder. Is the tithe biblical? Somebody said, well, it's not biblical. It's Old Testament, Pastor. It's still biblical because the Old Testament is the Bible, right? Would you agree? And God never changes. So, but some of you have struggled your whole life. Some of you are in your senior adult years, and you've never tithed to the Lord ever. And the Bible says, did you have to memorize this when you were a kid, Malachi 3.10? Bring you all the time. First, God says, you robbed me. You ever thought about sticking up God? How many thousands of dollars do some of you owe God? There was a man, let me tell you this before I quote the scripture, there was a man I knew, he became a Christian, and he said, Clint, I have robbed God my entire life. He said, I'm going to go back, when God started giving me a salary, I'm going to do the best I can to figure out how much money I made my entire life, and I'm going to tie that to the church. That's what the man did. He took his high school jobs, he took his college jobs, he went the best he could actually recall because he didn't have his tax statements, of course, and he added up everything and he had a very good paying job. And this man wrote a check to God, not to the church, y'all understand this is not to Town Creek Baptist Church, this is to God, wrote a check back for all the past money that God blessed him with and God only asked him for 10% instead of 90% and the man wrote God back a check. Do you think he was changed, man, when he got saved? Do you think he was redeemed, that he actually wanted to bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? All the tithers said amen, right? Yes. Everybody was like, do a quick math today when you go home. Since you started work, or since you became a Christian, just figure out when you became a Christian, how much tithe money you stolen from the Lord? You put it in your belly. You went out back instead of giving it to the Lord. You went out the cracker brown, and you put it in your stomach for it instead of giving it to the Lord. You say, well, pastor, that's none of your business. You're exactly right. I'm just trying to tell you as a messenger from God, that's your business between the Lord and you because he's the God of abundance. He doesn't need your money. But you need to give your money because you want to say, I trust you, Lord. 
I don't think you can trust God with your salvation if you can't trust him with your finances. He'd be ashamed. I don't want to show up to heaven and let's say, Lord, I actually see that all the blessings he gave me. I don't want to see that your works, the good and the bad, words you say good and bad, are going to be shown to you when you get to heaven. He said, are my sins going to be held against me? The answer is what? No, the sins were put on the Lord Jesus Christ that day on the cross on Calvary. Sins are paid for in full. But we're going to miss things that we didn't do in this life and the things that we did that were wrong. We're going to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's appointed a man once to die and after, the, after death what? The judgment. If you're, not, if you're not a Christian, you're going to face the Lord at the great white throne judgment and be cast into hell. There's no way to get out of it. If, you're, if you die as a non-Christian, you're going to hell. And you're going to be judged. And is God fair? Yes, he is. And if you're a Christian, you're going to sit at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for this life as a Christian. You're going to count everything you say and do in this life. This is why this, this bridegroom who's here at the wedding feast, he's like this. Y'all, could you imagine when he finds out that we're out of wine? He's like, man, I, I paid everything I could, and we're out, of, we're out of wine. He knew what was coming. What was coming for this man? What was coming for he and his wife? or his wife-to-be. More than likely, shame was coming to the family, and more than likely, a divorce was coming from his bride-to-be because, you know, they were engaged. It was, it was just like being married and to break apart an engagement. That's why Joseph tried to get rid of Mary. He was going to put her away quietly. He was going to divorce her, the Bible says, quietly. They had never come together as husband and wife, but he thought she had been unfaithful because that was a natural thing that would happen. And that's when the angel of the Lord spoke to him, saying, listen, what's happened to Mary is from the Holy Spirit of God. You take her as your wife and do not know her personally until after the birth of Christ. And you see that Jesus had other brothers, and you'll find out later, sisters. Mary and Joseph had children. That's why the men come back and say, we know who our daddy is. Who's your daddy? That's what they asked Jesus later. In the same group of people that see this miracle. Let's fill in some blanks real quick. Do you know what Philippians 4.19 says? My God shall supply all of your need according to what? His riches and glory. Does anybody have any more money than the Lord Jesus Christ? How much money does he have? Every dollar, every yen, every peso, you name it, in any country, that money belongs to him. Does he need any of it? Is God flipping hundreds like everybody tries to show in here on earth? Does God care about the dollar? No, it's, he knows we need it. Obviously, in his town, in his time, Peter ran up to him and said, Hey, Lord, somebody's asked me, are we paying the tip? Are we paying the tax? And the Lord said, Yeah, we're going to pay the tax. Peter said, How are we going to pay? We ain't got any money. Go down and catch a fish. It's in the fish's mouth. You ever read that in the Bible? Our God is the God of abundance. You say, Well, you haven't quoted Malachi 3.10 here. I'm about to come out full circle back to it, okay? Let me just do this as your witness. Don't put Arlene on the spot. Derek, stand up. Now, I don't see what people make, and don't ask him what people, or what people give, right? I don't care, because it's between who? You and the Lord. Unfortunately, there are people, there are physical humans who see what people give and don't give. I'm just going to ask you this question before the whole church. It's not a business meeting or administrative meeting. I want to ask Derek. Does everybody who's a regular attendant at our church tithe or give a regular gift every week or every other week or every month? No. All right, so you, thanks. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just want you to see something. We don't say, oh, well, he makes $50,000 a year, so he should be given 5000 divided by twelve. Nobody does that around here because this is the Lord's work. This is the Lord's house, and if we don't give, guess what we'll do? 
We'll put a for sale sign out front. And we'll meet under a tree somewhere. The Lord always provides. That should have been an amen right there, right? We don't care about buildings. We don't care about pavement. We don't care about all the grass and all these different things. We take care of it. We try to be good stewards. But it doesn't matter to us. We're not about building bigger kingdoms in building status. We're about building the kingdom of God through human souls. That's what we're here for. And that's why the Lord says, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church house today that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that you can't even stand it or bear it. Do you think we serve a God of abundance? This couple hundred gallons of wine, what was that to Jesus? It was not, he just, he turned water to wine, y'all. Anybody want to try it? Just by speaking, he didn't touch it. There's no record that he actually, he did anything to it besides just speak, draw out some. He gave a command and the servants did what he said to do. Look at the point number two. Jesus is God. I didn't put this in your notes, but if you take your notes, write these verses down. We'll have time to go to them today. John chapter 10, verse 25 through 33. John the Baptist says, hey, listen. They said, hey, John, Jesus is over here. His guys are baptizing more than you are. Remember, they're working side by side. And John said, listen, I must decrease. He must increase. That's where this verse comes from in John chapter 10. You need to look this up. And they're like, hey, he's over there baptizing. You're over here baptizing. And you say, well, how can they baptize like that? Because the Bible says there was much water in this area. Did y'all know we need much water to baptize? Anybody ever been baptized in this baptism pool? Takes an hour to fill it up. We've got to heat it. Some of you got a cold baptism sometimes because the breaker broke. But listen, we baptize with much water. Because baptism is by immersion right you go under showing a picture of Jesus' death on the cross his burial in the grave and his resurrection so john's baptizing jesus is baptizing and people are going the judeans are coming up going wait a minute john aren't you upset he's baptizing everybody's going to him now it's like there's a for sale sign or or cheap buy one get one free everybody's going to jesus and his disciples john aren't you upset he said, how can I be upset? You guys asked me who I was. I was very clear with you. I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. I am not the prophet. I'm just a forerunner. I'm actually, listen, I'm the bridegroom, best man. I'm just here to stand. I'm not the focus of the ceremony. I'll just stand here like this. I'll hand him his ring because he's coming in. He's not only the, the bridegroom, he's the king of kings. My job was just to say, he's coming and he's here. He must increase, I must decrease. So no, I'm not upset. I praise the Lord that it's actually happening. He got to see the fulfillment of what the Lord told him what happened. Isn't that amazing? That's a good God that we serve. That's a God of love who loved John the Baptist, loved Jesus Christ because he sent him here as his only begotten son. We serve an awesome God. In John chapter 2, listen, and let me give you another scripture, sorry. 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus said, God, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everybody says, well, you'll hear the Muslims. I told you, you hear the rhetoric of these clerics that are on YouTube right now saying Jesus Christ never claimed to be God. He was always subject to Allah. When Jesus says, I and the Father are one, it made the Jews filthy mad. And they said, how are you blaspheming God because you're claiming deity? You're saying you're the same as God. They understood ignorant theologians today who don't believe the Bible, those are the ones that are confused. And if they're confused, the Bible says the devil is the author of confusion. So if you're confused today about who you are and who Jesus is, you're not following Christ, you're following the devil. That's your father today if you're confused about who Jesus is. 
You say, well, I don't believe that. Bingo. Score, right? I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. Bingo. You just won. You're proving yourself to be a fool. Only a fool, an atheist, is a fool. There is no God. Okay? Just simple questions, right? Professors, young people, I feel so sorry for you. And some people in school. And it's not just because it's Christian, private, or public. It's anywhere. Because people are trying to get into indoctrination instead of education today. But if somebody says there is no fool, the question is, have you been to the highest mountain? Is your name and flag flying up there? Have you been to the, to the actual heaven? Have you been up into the sky? Have you been into the ionic sphere? Have you been to the stratosphere? Have you been to the moon? Have you been to Mars? Have you been to the bottom of the ocean? And if the answer is no, he's a fool and she's a fool because they can't say there's not a God because they haven't been everywhere. Amen? And really they're a fool because the scripture says, Psalm 14, one, you say, I don't like that. Look up Psalm 14, one for yourself. It says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. A fool, someone unknown by God and does not know God is going to go to hell. A fools go to hell. Did you know that? The scripture talks about that. Jesus is God. If you want to look that up, Jesus is God. In John chapter 2, we take the master of the wedding banquet at his word about saying the poor wine until the end of the celebration. Hey, this must have been a custom. We don't see it anywhere else. No one tells us about this custom. It just says in scripture that he said, he pulled the bridegroom aside and said, come here, man. What are you doing? You've got to serve the junk at the end. You've saved the good stuff to the end. He understood this wine was the expensive wine. But he didn't understand this wine came from heaven, right? The maker of heaven and earth calls this wine to be. Because you know why? He's the God of abundance. That's the God we serve. The master of the banquet addressed the bridegroom being celebrated, thinking he had provided the best wine out of order. He coming, you did this backwards, man. I know you ain't been married before, but this is backwards. You've got to serve the junk last. Because they're always going to walk up and say, I don't want any more. I'm full. The miracle of Jesus turning water into wine was a message from God. Every miracle in the Bible is a message from God. It's God screaming from heaven saying, listen, pay attention. I'm trying to show you something. I want you to see what I'm trying to say to you people. Why? Because God is love. He's trying to send a love letter to you and me. He's trying to tell us today, I do love you in your tough times. I know what you're going through because I see everything all the time. I'm with you 24-7. I never sleep nor slumber. When you were sleeping last night, I was awake. That's the God we serve. That's the God of love. That's the God that wants you to cast your care on him because he cares for you and for me. This message, Jesus is not only a miracle worker, but he is also the bridegroom who should be celebrated. Instead of celebrating the bridegroom, the physical man and the woman who should have been separated, uh, celebrated, it should have been the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. All the people in the party had no clue who the bridegroom was. They thought it was that man. The man who couldn't provide. But I want to tell you, there's a God that was present. He couldn't provide. The God of abundance, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the bridegroom, and we as the church are his bride. Does that get you excited this morning, knowing we're going to see him one day in heaven face to face? We'll know him. Listen, we'll know him as a friend, as a friend. We'll speak to him face to face. Wendy and I were talking about heaven as we sit out and talked about our fathers who have passed, going, I wonder what it's like in heaven. Just, just out of curiosity, right? You, the Bible says you're known as you're known, and... You don't have a body yet, so what, what do you just, how do you exist? You ever ask those questions? To be absent from the body, Paul said, what's Paul doing today? He's not, he doesn't have a body. What's he doing? To be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. Well, you go to, to Revelation, you see the, the martyrs who are killed, they're saying, Lord, how long? So they're talking, 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's conversation going on with God. Here's what I want you to realize. God has prepared a place for everyone who's going to heaven. There's a place for them. How about the rich man in hell? Did he have a body? He said, I'm in torment. Just send Lazarus back to get a drop of water on my tongue. Now that's symbolic. It's a tough place. It's a terrible place. What I want you to see is, listen, there's a, there's a true place called heaven. And the bridegroom is there waiting on the church, the bride. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, not just this man. So the miracle was a message. The miracle was a picture of God's redemption. He saved the bridegroom's reputation, and he possibly, and it should be possibly, not possible, he possibly saved his marriage. This man couldn't afford a banquet, so could he afford a wife? His, the father-in-law would have said, you're not going to fail me at the beginning. How are you going to be sorry forever and a day, right? So God redeemed this man. He, he, he gave back to him what was not his. God bought him back, and he brought about redemption. That's what the picture of the water to wine, that's the picture of the bridegroom being there. That's the picture of us in the church. Listen, when you are sorry and down and out, you got nothing to give. you got nothing to give the Lord Jesus Christ but your sins and yourself. you got nothing. What does God want with you? He wants your soul. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you joy here and hereafter. We come to him with nothing but filthy rags, and yet he transforms us and says, I'll make you children of the king. You'll walk around, hopefully, would you? And men do this with it, like Bandy Roosters, with their chest out, not being cocky, being confident that the Lord Jesus Christ is my king. And listen, wherever he says, wherever he sends, I'll go. Now, unfortunately, we don't always do that, do we? Because as the Lord Jesus Christ told us to go make disciples of all the nations, church, nobody said anything because y'all know where it's coming. Y'all know, know the kick's coming, right? Has he told you to go make disciples of all the nations? Yes. Are you doing it? Not everybody's doing it. Not everybody's doing it. Has he told you to give a tithe to his work? Is everybody doing it? No. Has he told you to pray and fast in Jesus' name? Is everybody doing it? No. Can you see why in the world the church looks like it's bleeding heavily, like why it looks so anemic to the world? We don't have power in Jesus' name. We walk around and say, I hope this COVID don't get me. Pray in the name of Jesus to protect you, and if you get it, he'll see you through. And if you die, you go to heaven. What do we have to lose? He's the God who provides in abundance. If it's cancer, if you get that word this week, if you get heart disease next week, whatever it might be, listen, go through it and call on his name and say, listen, he's able. He's able. Lord, would you, would you turn my water into wine? Lord, if you don't, I'm still going to praise you. I'll see you shortly. He knows your time. He knows when you were born. He knows your birthday. He knows your death day, and he's ready for both. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants you to go somewhere instead of saying, poor me. That's how we walk around. Why does anybody want to be a Christian when they see half of us these days? Or they read our post, the foolish things we put out there for the public to see. All of us are guilty of it at some point. I found, I listened to two old men the other day. I was waiting to get my oil changed. Two old men. Former, one was a Marine, I could tell, just by his cap. And I heard him speak. The other guy must have been a soldier. Martin, Sorry. Because he was complaining too much. Couldn't have been a sailor. <laughs> Guess what they talked about? They both sat outside the place where I was getting my oil changed and tires done. I went outside to study and, and read a little bit because I had a little bit of time. They're both smoking cigarettes talking about their health. My health, I'll tell you what. They'd take a draw and they was talking about how bad their health is. 
Now, I'm a veteran, too, and I'm like, I want to walk over and say, you guys are dipsticks, right? <laughs> Y'all been to war, or you've been in service, you know what's expected of the health of running and all the things it takes to be a, a Marine or a soldier or a sailor. You know what it takes? And yes, we get older and our bodies break down, but you guys are sucking on smoke. And you can't wonder why your health, you can't figure out why your health's bad. And I said, you know what? That's the same thing I do. I'm getting older. I talk about my health more than I talk about my, my, uh, my poor health more than I do my better health, right? My good health. As we get older, have you not heard the conversations? Have you not seen the prayer request? Pray for my, right? Health, 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 health. Everything's health. Pray for my, listen, and we should pray for that. Don't dismiss that. But we should start praying. Pray for my brother and sister to get saved. Pray for my cousin to get saved. Put the priorities where the priorities belong. That's what we're going to be teaching and teach us to pray. How do we pray? How do we fast? How do we do these things? Because most of us were not taught. We need to do what Jesus taught. We need to redeem the time. We need to come in and let him redeem people by through the word because he uses me and you today. We're not turning water into wine anymore. We're just telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will save you if you will come to him. If you will ask him to forgive you of your sins, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, he will save you immediately. It can happen at any place at any time, not just in a church building. And the miracle was a picture of God's redemption. The miracle was practical, was it not? Jesus abundantly supplied the need of the wedding banquet. Jesus is God who provides. Not the God, because he's not one of many gods. He's God who provides. In your life today, guess what he is? He's God who provides. Have a need? Go to the Father in Jesus' name. If you pray the wrong thing, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will descramble your message, uncode it, and give it to the Father in the name of Jesus. Even if you're crying and weeping, can't speak, he'll speak on your behalf, saying this is what Clint meant. This is what she meant. And he'll speak on your behalf. What a wonderful God we serve. Can you get it? God created us. We sinned against him. God died on the cross for us so we might be saved. God said, everyone who calls upon the name shall be saved. I'll save you, and I'll give you the kingdom's riches if you would actually follow me. I'll give you the harvest. I'll give you the principle of the harvest. I'll carry you through in the good times and bad. This is the God we serve. And then when you pray and you don't know what to pray, I'll actually get that prayer right for you because it knows your heart, and I'll actually speak to the Father on your behalf. And the Father will hear it and interact and respond and give you a blessing. Sometimes a blessing is no. Just remember that. Girls, if you date some old boy, Lord, please let him love me like I love him. And God says, no, throw him in the wastebasket because he ain't no good. <laughs> Don't argue with God. Get away from it. And how does God speak? You say, well, God doesn't speak. The names aren't in the Bible. How about going to a godly parent? How about come to somebody else godly at church? Because that old boy who's a funny playboy right here now in high school when he's young and college, guess what he's going to be when he gets old? And wrinkly, he's going to think he's still the playboy. And, and the people, that's when we have counseling at church. Pastor, he just runs the road. I don't know what's wrong with him. You knew what was wrong with him back in 11th grade, right? You just thought it was cute back then. And what's cute back then absolutely infuriate a wife or a husband today. Isn't that true? Amen to the wives? Yeah, it's true. So what we do is, what is the God standard? How do I look to a man that's not a Christian? Do we date him, girls? Wow, three of you don't, you don't know the answer? Hey, parents, hey, dads, let's, Christian dads, can you speak to this? And we're about to close the Lord's Supper. Can your daughter date somebody who's not a Christian? According to Scripture, to God's standard. 
The answer is absolutely not. Do not be unequally yoked. Can your son date a girl who's not a Christian? Oh, I'll bring him to school, our church. We'll say nice things. We'll sing songs. You say, well, we made it through. Well, I became a Christian. Wendy was not after we were married. God is a God who provides, even for goofballs like me, right? But the standard is don't do it. Do it God's way. What do we get? 100% of the time. The miracle was the first miracle of Jesus, which launched his earthly ministry. Through the miracle, Jesus revealed his deity and his great power publicly. He showed the world only God could do this, and he did it. And finally, the miracle caused Jesus' disciples to, here's a big word, not cocky, but confidently believe in him, trust in him as the Messiah. John 20, 31, it's on the front of your bulletin. Listen, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is what? Just go ahead and take your bulletin or your Bible, either one. Just John 20, 31. What does it say? These are written, right? Not verse 31. Read 31, not 30. What does it say? These are written that you might believe. Listen, and really is that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. His disciples were confident only God could do that. Now, we have up here, I've, we have water in all of the Lord's Supper cups today. Isn't that right, deacons? Go put water. And I'm going to put my hands over them and turn them into juice right now, okay? <laughs> Y'all, there's charlatans that are doing that today. Did you know that? Y'all, you already know there's grape juice in there, right? Deacons, isn't there grape juice in there? I don't know either, right? Welch's Welch grape juice, yep. But could I say we filled it with water this morning? Tell the deacons to be quiet, and I touch them and pray, and then all of a sudden we have grape juice, and you go, wow. Is that a trick or is he a miracle worker? It'd be a trick just for the record, okay? I can't turn water into wine. There's only one who's ever done that. Only one instance in the Bible that we have that, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves us, the one who keeps us, and the one, listen, church, the one that wants to abundantly supply in your life. But if you want his abundance, you've got to do it his way. If you're not tithing, you need to start tithing. If you're not praying, you need to start praying. If you're not fasting, you need to start fasting. If you're not reading your word, listen, you think God's up in heaven going, I'm going to reward all those disobedient people in, in my, my kingdom. I'd even check to see if you belong to the kingdom. You cannot constantly tell him no. He will whip you in the place, right, if you belong to him. If, you, if you're always opposing the Lord and his ways and you're not being disciplined by him, listen to me, you don't belong to him. Only in word, not in deed. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we sing an invitation, as we have opportunity to, to praise you once again through our words and through our music. Father, some people in this room have never given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. This is going over their head, and they just want the service to hurry up and be over. But some people, Lord, they're hearing it for the first time or second or third or one thousandth time. And Father, in their heart, they want to change. Those who might be watching by social media, I pray for them, Lord, that you would change their hearts today, the days that they have salvation. And Father, for the disobedient Christians today, I pray, Father, they would know that you're speaking directly to them. Lord, bring discipline in their life. They might be disciples of Jesus Christ. Help them, Lord, because some that don't know. But, Lord, we're without excuse today. Today's the day of salvation. We pray you'd have your will and your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.